Welcome to What's My Thesis. I'm your host, Javier Proenza, and today my guest is Victor Estrada, uh, artist, painter. How do you define artist? Artist, just general, because you do sculpture. I saw your show, uh, Purple Mexican. Oh, <laughs> I saw this here, so I had to... Purple Mexican, um, which is how I became aware of your work. I think uh, Alex Andrew Sanchez and um, what's it called? And Emmanuel Galvez yeah. are the ones who introduced us. Um, but I mean, actually, we introduce ourselves to each other, but they introduced me to your work. I didn't meet. I don't think I met you that day. Uh, at you the mean at the opening? At the opening. Yeah, no, no, no. I didn't. I didn't meet you. Yeah. Well, I, I, I had no idea who was going to be there. No, no, dude, that show was huge, which is one of the things I want to address. We're recording in your house because your um, your studio is like full of stuff. I can only imagine. Uh, well, but it's not from any of the work in the show. Oh, no? No, all that went, um, you know, I rented a storage space because there's some other things that I'm do, working on and I needed the space in the studio. So when I'm saying that it's full of stuff, I mean... Paint tubes. Oh, okay. So it's all not... All kinds of materials for working. Yeah. That's what it's full of. Nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was really... Well, that is one of the things that crossed my mind when I saw that show. Because it was at the... Um, uh, what's it called? What's Art the, Center's um, Mullen Gallery. Mullen Gallery. Yeah, it's the one that's in Pasadena when you just get off the Arroyo Seco. Um, right, right. At, and um, no, I, the amount of work in that space was insane. So you had a bunch of drawings and, and uh, really cool stuff. Can you tell me a little bit about that show? Like what, what does Purple Mexican mean to you? Well, I mean, the, it references specifically when I came up with that name was this particular um, brand of weed. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, Purple Mexican. But I, the reason why I said, oh, okay, well, this is kind of an interesting thing, I, or why I chose to do use it, was one, because it had the word purple. Uh -huh. And I think purple as a color is an interesting color. It's not, um, it kind of fluctuates. It sort of is in a liminal space, like what it is. It could be in nightclubs, you know, it's associated with royalty, mm -hmm. um, gay culture. Really? So, oh yeah. So there's like different aspects of purple, um, which could be. I thought that's interesting, and then the other thing was just a particular um, strain strain of um, marijuana that it is is a combination of um, uh, weed from Oaxaca and from um, Pakistan, mm -hmm. and so they they interbred them, and you know it's in Semilla, so it's. That's another thing too. So it's sort of this artificial construct that gets made through culture. And so that's what I kind of was interested in, the artificiality in a sense of culture mm -hmm. and how things that we kind of think of as like natural or real are really constructions. Yeah. And we sort of exist within that. I don't think we can exist outside of that. Um so I, that was the that was the that's sort of the origin of what when I chose that. Well, one of the things name. that as somebody who has consumed his fair amount of uh, of marijuana, even of when it was weed, of yeah. the weed when it was illegal, I did not know that that sensimilia is actually sin semilla. Yeah, it's <laughs> semilla. Yeah. I didn't realize that until I saw Narcos, the the one in Mexico with Pedro Pascal. Oh yeah, yeah I didn't. Yeah. I like that whole storyline is about that, but. Um, 
Well, I think like the first two episodes or something, yeah. Yeah, they talk about that, like how like this he was one a, guy... He was a genius. He was a genius that figured it out. He, or he had his friend that was like, uh, I don't know, this is all dramatized, so who knows how accurate any of that is. But it is interesting because I didn't realize, like, Sense Emilia sounds so much more like, I don't know, Jamaican or something else like that, which I've heard people say, Sense Emilia, but it's like... I didn't realize it was like a Latin word. So I, I to me, that's interesting. And I, I actually did not realize the purple Mexican side of it, uh, of the show. What, what, so the constructs, like what, um, you do, would you say that some of it is assemblage or is that too much of a 1960s terminology? Yeah. I don't really think of it as assemblage. I mean, mm. assemblage to me is more, you're taking things that are already there and you're sort of combining them together. Mm -hmm. and like the, a, like and a Rauschenberg type approach. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is fine, but that's not really what I do. That's not like sort of the motivating um elements of the work since you know, so yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't mm -hmm. say assemblage. So then you are so then yeah, I mean I was just asking because of what is in the room and it it is assembled, but that does not define it as assemblage. No, <laughs> so no, you're no. right, you're correct. The constructions, I mean, and there's sculpt I mean like here what you're looking at in the back, there's a sculpture, but that sculpture was made back in the 90s and where I was like, I was trying to build things so they kind of would have an organic hole and they'd be their own thing mm -hmm. and they sort of could exist as a presence without permission. Yeah. You know, so that's sort of where that, where the kind of thrust of the work in some sense comes from. This idea of making something that has, that doesn't apologize for itself as being a thing. Mm -hmm. And kind of can sort of speak back to, I guess, just the the gaze of the viewer mm -hmm. and not just be completely consumed. So I was interested in that idea mm -hmm. when I first started working. So how long ago did you uh, decide you were an artist? You don't have to, we don't have to date you. <laughs> But like, wait, I I usually ask. This is not a question directed only at you. I usually ask people yeah, like their art art origin story. So maybe art maybe maybe take away the time frame and then just give us a sense of like uh, what uh, what how did that come about? How did you just kind of wake up and and decide someday? It, it, there's a there's a conscious decision I feel that needs to be make made. And I felt I feel like a lot of people don't even have the confidence or just don't want to take that on uh, the the term no, it's fine. Art, it's fine. artist no, no, no. i mean i knew that um this way of thinking about stuff or just thinking of experience mm -hmm. right let me put it that way i mean that happened when i was in third grade so you've known, i was a little kid yeah, yeah and you know i made a painting in class with the teacher who you know was okay it's our time so we're painting with those poster paints and everything and uh I started off with a painting that was a tree and a um, small little lake at the foot of the tree. And and then eventually I kind of, and there were clouds and a happy sun. And I whittled everything down and just made it brown and blue, mm -hmm. got rid of leaves on the tree. And I started just putting some strokes of white for the clouds. And at the end, you know, it's time to put them up. So she put them all up. And I can remember in a very kind of distinct way being uh, very objectively looking at everything. And it's just saying, well, mine was the best. Mm -hmm. Not from the sense of, oh, I'm great, but just because of looking at this assembly or this, um, yeah, assembly of material paint 
and like, okay, what's working? Years mm. later, I kind of looked at it. I was reminded of um, that particular painting again when I was looking at like early primitive Italian mm. painting. Like what? Like uh, like pre Giotto? Yeah. Like just sort of like classical? Yeah, the way they would make the mountains and stuff like that. So, mm. um, and they were just basically blue and brown type paintings, you know, and they were just these ideas of what a mountain Mm-hmm. look like so i think that so at that point in time when i was that young i kind of fig- i kind of figured out or just sort of knew okay this way of thinking about stuff mm-hmm. i've experienced kind of functioned well with the way my mind worked there was a compatibility mm-hmm. with it and in terms of motifs i definitely what stood out for me is sort of the, and, and it, it applies even in the um in the sculptural stuff but this globular element that I, I, I keeps repeating like uh yeah. like s- spherical but also not perfectly round all the time but also what where, what what is that like because uh, i mean that is pretty strong throughout the work and I, I i like that element i i'm just curious where that uh comes from yeah well that that is sort of like um trying to incorporate the materiality of the work its own kind of um what do I want to call it? It's own um what's the word? I can't remember the It's all right. Uh the um its own agency. Mm. Like material has its own agency. It's a thing. It's not dead material. It's not dead. You just don't impose yourself on it. Mm-hmm. It kind of pushes back on on you, against you. I think that um so that so with the I started using plaster, and so because plaster could sort of drip, but then it would stop. Mm-hmm. So I never tried to really ultimately control stuff. I would try to let it sort of reach its own level of a kind of equilibrium, mm-hmm. and then I would do the same thing with paint. Yeah. So that's where it kind of comes from because I was thinking of the material of having, like I said, its own agency, could be its own thing, mm-hmm. and not simply be dead matter that you just impose your will on. Okay. And uh, where did you grow up? Like, culturally, what is your background? We were talking a little bit about that earlier before we started recording. You were asking me about uh, where I was yeah, from. Where but you, I, but where I are held, you from? Yeah, <laughs> but I held back because I knew that this would be my opportunity. And everybody's heard me talk about Italy on the show, like, to no end. Italy. <laughs> it's, a, it's a flex. <laughs> uh, so sure. did, you, did you did you grow up in, in America or, or? No, yeah, I grew up here in LA. You, I grew up in LA, but I grew up kind of... Um, are you did you are you Chicano or or, or did you yeah. grow up in Mexico at at, at any point? Live, were you no, born I in never lived in Mexico. I I've always lived here. Um, my family, my parents were actually born in El Paso. Okay, Dallas, but they and they were born uh, right on the frontera, right there on the. Like my mother was born in Segundo Barrio, and my dad was born in Smelter Town. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad's sisters, my his sisters and brothers, all of them except for two were born in Mexico. Mm. And on my mother's side, I don't really know because that's a different history. Mm-hmm. But I know her mother was born in Mexico. Okay. In a little town near Guadalajara. And my, 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 on my dad's side, it was in, they're from uh, Fresnillo, Zacatecas. Pero, so, pero tú hablas español, ¿no? Yeah, más o menos. Más o menos, yeah. Sí. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so that's like... Um, I always I find it interesting 
Like, I find so much about Latinidad as a general broad topic because nos peleamos. <laughs> like, white people are like, Latino. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, for, uh, for, for my generation of Cuban Americans, we all spoke Spanish because we were first generation. So it right. sounds like you, even though you're Chicano, like, because there's a lot of people that are like third or fourth Latin Americans that are third or fourth generation that just have no, like people that I've interviewed, I interviewed someone in the Midwest, uh, Kale, who's like living the life of being a brown person, but has no like Spanish uh, or any, and also a few people like that. So to me, that's always an interesting thing when like, you know, Latino, I think, kind of comes from the fact that we speak Spanish or we mm -hmm. speak like Latin uh, or origins, uh, you, you know, like Latin as in like ancient Latin as the basis of the language, right? So to me, it's it's just an interesting thing that happens when you when you like take that away, right? But you're still Latino. You know, like, mm -hmm. the, I think that that is like the, the remnants of colonialism that keeps us all speaking Spanish, right? But when you, when you, when you get distance from that and you're still Latino, it's an interesting... It's it, maybe more of a constructed no, no, idea I, I, or, or what no, do you it's, mean? It, it's not necessarily constructed. It's legitimate because it's your heritage, right? But, well, when I say constructed, I don't mean that well, it's not legitimate. No, I, okay. Fair I, I mean that it's a conscious decision. In terms of having to describe oneself, I think as opposed to if you are have some sort of connection with the language, let's say um, that in some ways it's embedded within yourself mm -hmm. in terms of your experience, in terms of what you think about as um, manera de ser, mm -hmm. you know, in the world, because that's a different space. Yeah, yeah. You know how you interact with people how you, where you feel comfortable, things like that. So and that's I think, what I mean in that respect. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and in that concept, you know, in the, in the context that you just described, which race also is a construct, right? I think that that applies to the conversation because I think it is also something, like I think that, let's say my name wasn't Javier. Okay. I think the reaction to me the identity would be constructed by myself as Latino because I speak Spanish and all of that. I'm not even taking the Spanish out, but the external world reacts to me very differently than Latino. Like they, they don't, they don't necessarily, I mean, some, like, I think black people always think that I'm white. I think that like other minorities think that I'm their minority, you know? <laughs> wow. And so, and so, so it's an interesting part of that construct where it's like, it's not just self-identity, right? So it's interesting, the idea... Well, it's kind of something that's imposed on you from the outside. I think exactly. that um, I was watching a segment um, with my wife yesterday. I mean, she was watching the show. I just came in. I'm going to come in at this particular moment on the, I think, what is it, the, 19, the 1619 Project that... Uh, oh, that's that documentary right. about the... Is it Lincoln People? Lincoln Project? Or 1690 Project? I'm it's the 1619 Project, the New York Times project that they did on um, tracing in a more specific way the sort of presence and uh, history of African Americans in oh, the okay. United States. So on on the segment I happened to sort of catch, there was a, a couple, and he was 
black from, I believe it was from Nigeria. Mm. And he was here. And then the woman, I don't know if she was black or not. Because I, I thought of her, maybe she's like Indian, like from mm. India. But in any event, they wanted to go get married. And one of the questions was this idea of race on there. And so the question was about this idea of race, you know, from the interviewer. And he said that he had never really heard of this idea of race. Mm -hmm. And um, the Nigerian thought, gentleman. Right. And yeah. he thought that when they talked about race, it was like, oh, we're going to go run. <laughs> so, you know, you, there are places in the world where you don't even think about this idea yeah, of race. Yeah. It's a completely, really, I think, strongly American. And European, thing. but yeah, yeah, I get what you you're know? saying. And it's like, okay. And so you're forced then to engage in that kind of interaction. That's part of like why the work that I did or I do are kind of part of the impetus for that is trying to make things that sort of can have its own place without having to, let's say, ask for permission. Yeah. You know, this is the idea of the blob and stuff like that comes from. So it's like, hey, you know, I don't need to ask for permission. I don't need to fit in your idea of what it means. Um, if I'm doing that, then I'm privileging white supremacy. Let's, mm. let's just to use that shorthand term. Yeah, I'm, pri yeah. I'm privileging that whole sort of body of constructing knowledge. Mm -hmm. And that didn't seem to me to be interesting. You know, so when I was working, I would go out and look at things that, um, you know, I would go look at, uh, watch Spanish television. Mm -hmm. So here I'm looking at stuff that's coming from Mexico or whatever. People are just doing their stuff, man. They, they don't, they're, they're not asking and they're not doing this in relationship to the United States, mm -hmm. you know, like Siempre in the Wingo doing his thing or even something like Solo Gigante. Solo Gigante is which classic, is bro. crazy. <laughs> Very different from Siempre in the Wingo. Yeah. But it's just doing its thing, but, but in a way differently because I think in... Uh, in Domingo was sort of classic Mexican, like, culture in a sense. And yeah. they're playing these big auditoriums, et cetera. In Sol Gigante, it's, um, they're based out of Miami, I think. Yeah, yeah. And so then there's a lot of advertising on that thing there, too, which I think, okay, that's kind of a different thing than I would have, I remember seeing on Siempre in Domingo. Or I'm looking at somebody like Olga Vinsky, who, you know, she comes out and she's playing the violin, but she's doing her own thing, you know? And then I was reading Carlos Fuentes, mm -hmm. and then I would read books. I was, I remember there was a book I read, uh, Golos Incerentes y Visionarios, which is by Urias, who was a historian, Latin American historian. Mm -hmm. So I'm reading that. So I'm reading stuff and, and thinking about stuff outside the context of the United States. Yeah. Because I felt, okay, there's another way to be. There's mm -hmm. another way to think about stuff and not just this yeah. thing. It, it, you just reminded me of um, Jorge. What's the guy? The 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 um, locutor from uh, Univision that got into the beef with uh, oh, Trump. Yeah, yeah. Jorge yeah. Ramos is that his I name? I think it's uh, Ramos because there's also a soccer player. I think. Yeah. But uh, but well, Ramos is a common. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Jorge is also, but uh, but I just wanted to make sure. I, I think it is Jorge. No, I, I'm pretty sure it is the guy with the white hair. Um, but to me, it was very interesting that beef with Trump, 
because he became kind of a liberal hero because he was standing up to Trump. But that dude is so right wing. Like that guy's politics yeah, yeah, yeah. Are, They're very conservative. Are, are so conservative. So like everybody was like, and that that is crazy to me. Like a lot of the discourse that that happens in wider spaces is very much about like being the people that parse out right and wrong in other cultures <laughs> yeah <laughs> without like being and, and and i think that that's part of the american exceptionalism and i think that people don't realize how long like how entwined latin american history is to that mindset that is not a new mindset that's like that's literally all that's ever happened you know um you know, at, well, since yeah. Spanish colonialism, and you know, since the Spanish got put out, it's been well, about... Latin America is a construct of colonialism. Yeah, a hundred percent. There's no other way to really think about it. It would be they would be one huge country if Bolivar had his way. That would be like Venezuela, <laughs> Bolivia, and like you know, and that, that a Bolivar is not lacking his problematic stuff, but uh, but also like Che Guevara, bro. Like that is such a Che Guevara is such an interesting character that few people have any concept of what his actual politics were you know like like it to me is fascinating you see like little like kids in college wearing that shirt and you're a like cheshire. a cheshire shirt and you're, you're just like he doesn't even re my favorite was my friend nader soban for a long time had his uh, profile picture on facebook was che guevara wearing a che guevara shirt <laughs> that's kind of funny <laughs> yeah but but it is crazy because these are like anti-american well, militants the, well the other thing about it too that thing that is interesting that i mean you know you were saying latin america is very complex yeah it is i mean the whole idea of in mexico of uh, la raza cosmica comes from jose vasconzuelos who's also a supporter of the nazis yeah you know so i think about it every time i drive by plaza right. de la raza la raza is a problematic statement so there is a there is i think um and i don't think i think i'm not saying oh that's Oh, there's a problem in the sense of um, la raza cosmica idea necessarily. I'm just saying that we shouldn't idealize. Yeah, like racial pride things. can be problematic. Sometimes. You know, there is this whole other complex situation. So, for example, you know, like you have in Mexico, you have uh, Maria Lindia, mm -hmm. you know, TV show. If you show that here, it's going to get really bombed yeah, yeah yeah and it was a it's gonna be a big problem especially for white liberals like what are you doing blah 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 and all this stuff over there in mexico was like you know not but of course it's you know sort of you know it's, it's marketed to a certain segment of society etc you know so i mean there's all these different problems it's yeah it's a it's a what to me what's really interesting in this conversation is that like ownership of like i feel like um, one of the things that's happening with white guilt in America, particularly, right? Like there's this whole discourse because George Floyd happened and nothing's really been resolved and then defund the police. People are for it, but then they're like, it's not the right way to say it. I, I, I think that we should just say demilitarize the police because that's a much more specific thing. But one of the things that I find really interesting about American culture is that what they've done with white guilt still lives within this framework of white saviorism, right? So like, um, for example, the idea of 
Well, just the kids in cages. Like they're still in cages. No one gives a fuck anymore. You know, and and to me yeah. that that like the difference between the Trump uh, administration on that and the Biden administration is basically first of all Biden built those right, and during that during built built the cages. Yeah, like the, the there was a lawsuit in twenty fourteen. In fact, when the scandal broke, when Trump was in in power. Uh, well, when were, he was president, when he was president, I mean, okay, <laughs> I don't want to go that far. Well, no, I just into authoritarianism. But. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. The deep state is always in power. We see that because we have a, a senile president that, that, like, is you know, um, and uh, you. This will be an interesting presidency to look back in retrospect because it's like literally this is what happens when there's no one there to push back against the deep state there's no one there to tell like people not to like you know fuck up our entire unipolar hegemony so that you, you get what i'm saying mm -hmm. but anyway going back to the point i like the tokenism in that situation of like we need to save these victims but our guys in so like ah fuck these victims well you know i don't know if i would use the word tokenism because i do think that's another kind of um form let's call it form of name calling mm -hmm. which simplifies the argument i think that the way the united states was made it's based on this idea of a kind of um country that was given to these people by god and so it's all about a kind of perfecting of this quote-unquote paradise mm. and it's always about trying to fix things so the country comes into being during the time of the industrial revolution and you don't have any uh you know prescribed class structure people can quote-unquote you know as opposed to the UK, which has yeah, a very which has a you know they can people can um, rise up by their bootstraps. Of course, there's problems with all of this, and I'm not saying there isn't. Um, I'm simply saying that I think within the DNA of the way people who are beholden to quote unquote, this idea of the American dream is that you can fix things, mm -hmm. you can fix everything. There's all of these things of uh, you can lose weight. Here's what you do. Okay, you, you have a problem in terms of your, you know, psychology or mentality, whatever. Okay, we can make medicines for you to take. Um, here's how you, you know, you get your um, workout apps. Mm -hmm. You do all of this. It's all about perfecting, perfecting, perfecting. And I just think that's kind of the way um, the U.S. works. Mm. And um, but I think I'm speaking to something slightly different. I agree with you. I, what I'm I, and and maybe tokenism is a is not the right word. But so, but what I'm meaning then is, therefore, when you're talking about this other idea of okay, this because um, you're talking about this, you brought this idea of white guilt, mm -hmm. right? I do think that exists. Yes, um, I think maybe in a way. I guess I would, should I say they have no other way to understand or think about. Oh, no, no. I, I'm this, yeah. how you actually step back 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't disagree with like with the like the prescription and all of that is the same. But the point stands that like they only care about Latinos. Like, I guess what I'm talking about is that let okay, Latino is a minority. In fact, let's use the word that they want to use. The liberals want to use, right? Like, because uh, and we're co- talking from a leftist perspective, not from a right wing perspective. But like, um, they use Latinx, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and I think that right there is we're going to fix the machismo in this country. Fuck you. And they don't realize, (laughs) and they don't realize how problematic that is because that's not your shit to fix. And I get, I get, I get what you're saying, you know, but I, but then I think that like, there is a thing, Latin American, Latin American communities, people that are oppressed don't necessarily all identify as oppressed. Like a right-wing Mexican doesn't identify the way that liberals talk about Mexicans as a whole, you know, like, like a lot of, a lot of Mexicans I know personally liked Trump and they liked him for very specific reasons. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Um, mostly because they just wanted to see it burn. <laughs> but but I don't think that that's an invalid thing. And like you tell someone, like you tell a Latin American that and they're like, they get so moral about it. And I'm like, bro, you have shit on these people for their entire existence. You don't know Latin American history for a reason. Because if you learned it, you would learn what a dickhead you are, you know? <laughs> And yeah. to and to that I and I'm speaking to that. I think that it does come from this like sort of ignorant, like or, or not ignorant. It comes from an idealist perspective. But I think when you start taking things and you start going back in your history and you start looking at your crimes, and your solution to your crimes is not let's take the kids out of the cages, but let's use them to get this guy out of office. Like that, I don't. I just don't. I think it's bullshit. I don't think that anybody. I don't think people care ever cared about those kids. I think they were just offended. They just cared about Trump, and they said the kids in cages. And then now that it's their I mean, team, that would, that would be good propaganda to get them out. Yeah, that's to get it, Trump out of office. Yeah, it, and I think that that is it. Like, I don't think there are still people throwing their children over the border, like literally just taking it to the border, dropping them there. Because why is that happening? Why is it so shit over there? Why is it so shit in these shithole countries? Nobody does it like nobody makes that connection. Yeah, Trump was really fucked up when he said that, but no one called him out and been like, yeah, you know, well, it's kind of because of us. (laughs) Yeah, it's because of the US. (laughs) Yeah, like there's no, there's no arguing that like in any capacity. But, you know, I think that like, and then the idea of like, uh, immigration is racist. Immigration is racist. You're, or, you know, immigration laws are racist, but then like you support like liberating people. It it falls into that category of like what you were saying of that, like idealist, like we can fix it. You know, I'm, okay, like, I'm not, I'm not following quite what you're saying. You're saying immigration laws like, are racist. I'm saying that, that the left is saying that, that, that. No, that liberals, the, liberals there's a distinction, are saying that there's a distinction between left and liberal. Uh, okay. yeah, but, but yeah, I say, I, they say, you know, oh, immigration is racist and all of that, blah, 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 immigration blah, blah. or immigration laws. laws, like stop it. Like, you know, and I think that, yeah, there are a lot of right wingers that are fucking racist, but if you are okay with the coup that Hillary Clinton did in Haiti, if you're okay with the coup that Hillary Clinton did in Honduras, if you're okay with all of these things that are done by liber- liberal, um, you know, 
cultural war left people, but economic war against middle class working people. That's not a leftist party. And that is, it's just, it it's just doesn't, does, does any of this make, like, reg- I understand what you're saying. I, I um, don't have a, I just sort of take that as that's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah, I think there's an age gap there. <laughs> I think- In other words, meaning, so for example, when, when Trump comes into office and he does the stuff he does, I think, well, yeah, what were you expecting? Yeah. This is this is this is what it is. This is the way, in a sense, it's always been. Yeah. It's like my dad, you know, he I remember him telling me one time, um, what uh depression. Yeah. Because they were always in the depression. Yeah. Like this is just the condition of you mean you're talking about the Great Depression. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is just this is this is just your the situation that why would you expect anything different? In other words, I guess that's what I'm saying. Oh, from from the Democrats? I I mean I don't understand. Yeah, why why expect anything different? This is the way oh, no, I'm not, it's I, always been. Yeah, no, I is but it really gonna be different? Yeah, well what I'm talking about. What more, happened to all the hippies? Yeah, I mean they're fucking devils now. They became <laughs> yeah, they became very corporate and they made yeah. a lot of money and uh you know, so that's just the nature of this situation. I don't think there's a space of um in that respect I don't I don't look to the Democratic Party as a, as a party of salvation. No, but they but they they else. sell themselves like that. Yeah, and but it, that's what they do. That's that's sort of have what you the nature told of a white it person. Is. Have you told a white person this? Have you seen their fucking brains explode? <laughs> no, because I don't. I know I'm not going to have that kind of conversation. I don't see what the point of the conversation like that is. Yeah, for myself, I, mean, the, I well, just well, you've never had someone come. I mean, it might be a generational thing where like everybody's a bleeding heart now and uh, uh, and kind of uh, public about it on social media. And I'm like, you don't care. <laughs> well, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I don't really sort of like I said, I don't kind of engage in yeah, that yeah. kind of discussion because i don't see the i guess i don't see the point of it why why? Mm -hmm. i think that it's more i do you know i think you do what you can do within your sphere of influence Mm -hmm. and i don't think um so yeah so i mean like i taught in east la for 30 years man and i Mm -hmm. taught you know students who were um had dropped out of school for different reasons, some became young girls became pregnant. Some couldn't handle school; too much anxiety. Mm. They had to go to work. You know, uh, they got kicked out of school. Um, they got involved with gangs. They can't hang out like because that. of gangs. You know, be, be, yeah. So because I mean, of gang loans. like there's yeah, a, there's so I loans. went and I applied myself and I did so. I, it was a conscious decision for me. It's like, okay, where? What am I going to do here when I get out of art school? Yeah. I mean, aside from the fact that I had already three kids. And Do you also teach at Ola? Uh like Raul and uh, no, and those guys? No, oh, no, okay. no. I so I no, so I actually went into LAUSD. Okay. I taught in the adult division of LA Unified. Um my wife taught uh in uh elementary school. Um and so, you know, I think we applied ourselves in particular ways to do specific things mm-hmm. that would sort of Bit by bit, help somebody, 
mm-hmm. as opposed to thinking about the larger conceptual aspect of things. I think that's a different kind of activism, let's call it. You oh, know? I'm not interested in activism. <laughs> I just well, want a bitch. <laughs> okay. But you see that up there. That's yeah, comes, teachers, we work for the no, people. No, that comes because I was a union rep. Yeah. And so when I retired from LAUSD, they gave me that. Mm-hmm. So all the teachers signed it. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, so it sounds like, so then you, I mean, it sounds like you just basically ignore people when they say stupid shit. <laughs> and that's what you're advising me to. But as two Latino men that are on the same side of this argument, it's I think it's an interesting thing to discuss because I don't think I think that like somebody that's not Latino doesn't is not privy to these kinds of conversations. Like we are a window into what Latin American people talk about when they're not around. And it's an interesting thing because people are like does the well, I, th- I mean, yeah, there's a different kind of experience that exists, and you sort of observe things in a different way, and you understand that, um, you know, the, the conversations that they're engaged with, or the assumptions that they're making, are assumptions based on a particular um, cultural point of view, mm-hmm. and they're not really universal. So there's this idea that I think that allows one to kind of step outside of that conversation and kind of observe it, you know? And so I do think when you're talking at times, there's a kind of, uh, depending, there could be a kind of code switching that happens in terms of that conversation and what you're going to do. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Code switching entirely. Yeah. What you're going to do and how you're going to interact. And, um, you know, sometimes, I think uh, that can be frustrating, uh, but I, I just think that's just the state of mm. things. That's the state of culture. So you're not at you're, the moment. You're not you. You are not like most people or most kids in the Zoomer generation now think that they're going to stop racism. No, I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> You're not I don't, with the one that I don't think that's. I mean, I. I don't. You know, I think yeah, it's great. People are fighting, and there's a different things you know, that are happening. You know, in the art world, or et cetera. I think that's great. Um, that there's all these things happening, but you know, I think it, it's going to be. I think it has to do with numbers. Mm-hmm. So when I was in um, in uh, graduate school, I made a painting called My Baby Will Kill Your Baby. And... I like the title. <laughs> so it was Can this I call baby. this episode that? I don't know. I don't think YouTube would like it. I don't know. But uh, yeah, they probably wouldn't, right? No. There was a, the algorithm would go off. Yeah. yeah they, they'd they'd just start beeping <laughs> an alarm. But I... No, I think... Um, so I made this painting, My Baby Will Kill Your Baby. And it was sort of um, motivated by that idea that the space changes. Mm-hmm. So... You know, I thought, okay, if you have a space and you fill it with white people, Anglos, it's one kind of space, you know. And I, there I'm just generalizing because I'm not mm-hmm. speaking, well, if you speak people from Appalachia, I yeah, mean, that's yeah. going to be different, right? So yeah. just generalizing. And the same thing here, generalizing. If you just fill it with Latinos, it's going to be another kind of space. If you fill it with African Americans, it's, it's going to be a lot of shit talking if spells. Latinos are just there. <laughs> it's going to be a different kind of space. So, um, 
I kind of thought at the end, you know, sort of going through that process, this is like whatever, 30 years ago, I'm thinking, okay, well, this is going to, things change when the bodies in that space change, and then the space will change. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that that change is going to be fabulous. There is no Eden here on earth. No, you know? yeah. It's just going to be another kind of space that maybe, okay, you're more connected with in a way, but there's just going to be as many whatever nice people, not nice people, et cetera, mm -hmm. as well. But at least the terms that you're dealing with are terms that are seen as um, basic, are seen as like, okay, these are the terms. Yeah. You know, and you're not having to react or define yourself with against these other set of terms that this other that this other group has established. Mm -hmm. You know, so um yeah, I sort of think about it more in that way. And um, so like, for example, I don't really have a problem with the term Latinx. Mm -hmm. Okay, fine. And, and you know, I don't, because you were speaking about it. One thing I would sort of wonder about or question a little bit is that you were speaking about it as if uh, it was like white people came up with Latinx. No, they were enforcing it. Okay. okay, so you speak from that point of view. Yes, I did remember reading something where Somebody was talking about, like in the classroom, this artist came and they were talking about Chicano, and then some white students spoke about, here we use the term Latinx. I thought, okay, that's kind of Yeah, I mean, that's, funny. that's essentially you, the issue. Why would you do that? <laughs> but, no, look, but, you know, I think there's a, lot, there's a lot of, depending on the conversation, depending on the context, there's a lot of different terms that can be used in different ways to sort of... Um, Illuminate certain points. Why is that That's term? A, why is that term less offensive than calling us Latin American? Why is that term less offensive than because there there are so many ways of making it non gendered, right? Like for example, we're not calling anyone Latinx. They try to make that a shit. Well, wait, so, when you say it's less offensive, I'm, I'm just what saying, are you, what are you, you're assuming that it is offensive. I'm saying I, no, no. I'm saying I'm saying Latinx is the the premise of Latinx is that it's inclusive, and the term Latin America is also Latin American is also inclusive because it includes all genders. It's a non gender terminology. I, well, I think the reason why one of the reasons why, and actually it would be. It'd be interesting to have my wife sitting here on this conversation because she would probably speak to it more than me. But um, uh, there was a book written by, and I don't know if you know the book, Arlene Davila, right? So, and she's making the arguments to, and she's an anthropologist, right? So I think that's mm. kind of interesting as well because there's a lot of anthropology happening in art now. But she's speaking to this idea within the art world that there is this exclusion that has happened for Latinos here, born here in the United States, gaining access to the art world. Mm -hmm. That there is space for Latin American artists having a space in the art world, but for Latinos here, there isn't. Mm -hmm. So that's where I think the discussion, at least where it's applicable, maybe in terms of the art world specifically, because the way that they have uh, constructed um, spaces for difference includes Latin American artists, and that can be from any class within Latin America coming here and showing in galleries, et cetera, and being collectible. Mm -hmm. Whereas 
um, for Latinos here, they have less access. There is less collector. There are fewer collectors. There's fewer um, spaces to show work. There's fewer spaces to have dialogue, things like that. So I think that's probably, in terms of just the art world, where it's an issue. But, but okay, so my issue with Latinx is, first of all, you're applying, it, it is a misunderstanding of language to begin with. You're telling, like, it is a, first of all, America is a colonial superpower. We are one of the few countries that was a colony and now runs the world. In fact, I don't, I, if you guys know, <laughs> comment down below if you have any other examples of a situation where a colonial power, a, a colonial, uh, a colony became a, a, a superpower. We're that, that stuff is dying out, by the way. Like, we're no longer a unipolar power, but okay. My concern with the terminology Latinx is that there is a dialogue that's going on here about in the gender States. in the United States that's yeah. going at the end. Um, it is interesting. If you are speaking, like, I just think that it's a weird thing to call everybody Latinx. We don't call anybody French X. We don't call anybody Italian X, but Italians are Italiano, Italiana. We're speaking our own language and we're using the feminine in those languages. If you are a, a, a person that is trans, you may prefer the term Latina instead of Latinx. There are so many subtleties to this. And it is, we, it is basically what has happened is... We are having this discussion in America and everybody else needs to do this. And it is insensitive to the fact that we inherited this language. Where do, where do you, I mean, I'm not as involved, I guess, in the discussion as you are. But let me ask you this question. Yeah. Where are you getting this idea that everybody else has to go along? And when you say everybody else, who do you mean when you say everybody else? Uh, look. Do you mean the world or I, what? Like me. I, I am Latino. I'm not Latinx. Why okay. can't I? Why can't I be a specific thing? Why do I have to be a broad thing to accommodate other people? This, then it becomes. Uh, but are are you saying that that's what's happening? Or yeah, I think I think that the, like, have you met any Zoomers? <laughs> have you met? So you, the, the, what? What else? I mean, I have the the kids in school. You know, like when I'm at UCLA and I'm teaching, you know, um, yeah, there's kids who identify as Latinx, and the dialogue there. I mean, it's you know, it's it's. Basically I don't have become, a problem with Latinos become, identifying as Latinx. It's becoming, you know, it's a it's an academic term. That's my problem, and with that's it. that's it is an academic. I, I, term. I understand that. That it is a completely academic term. It is it, it is come up with by people that are trying to be sensitive, but are actually being really insensitive because it is an erasure of America. Of of first off, the identity of Latino is like a huge thing in this country that made people feel like they could be Latin American. No one says Hispanic anymore. Because that's problematic. But most people don't say, who are born here, they don't say Latin American. I don't think. Who are, who are born in the U.S.? Yeah. No, I'm not saying that that has to be the terminology. I'm just saying that there's an, there, we could be Latin. We could be, there could be, I'm just saying the, the solution does not have to be so performative. You can just say that these are people of Latin descent. These are Latin Americans. You don't like Latinx is an academic exercise. It doesn't exist in the real world. If you are trans, by all means, go so by. So then why engage with the, with the argument? 
Because well, the what I'm I don't argue with people about this. I'm talking to you about the problem, yeah, the, the racism inherent in this. Because first of all, we are uh, like our countries, our shithole countries, are getting bombed constantly. <laughs> and then you're gonna tell us how we have to talk about each other to be more inclusive. I think that's really problematic. Like here, I say this all the time on the show. I'm gonna share it with you. But like, here is how dumb some of this academic shit is. Her story, the term. The word history comes not from his story. The word history comes from Latin, historia. And in Spanish, yeah. historia is a fucking feminine word. <laughs> so these masturbatory exercises are actually really fucking racist. And they become the basis of a whole new generation that talks about how it's a problem. Because now it's not just that Latin America is machista, but it's transphobic. But so is America. You just are talking about it. See, I, I guess I don't have the same reaction. Um I think because there's a generation. I don't, really, I don't really see the um, same kind of concern, I guess, with the, let's say, transphobia. Um, I think there's a different, I mean, obviously, you know, with the older generation, there was a different way of understanding that. So you, so you could have somebody like Walter. Walter right? Mercado, yeah. Yeah, you could have him or you could have Juan Gabriel do his thing and all that kind of stuff. You You just wouldn't bring it up. Which I understand that it's a problem because in a sense you can't really sort of say, hey, this is who I am. Yeah. I understand all of that. But I think um, why do I, um, I guess for me, I think why do I want to be fighting with this? Um, I mean, I'm not fighting it. I'm just talking about it because it is, it is I mean, it is inherently racist to to, to say that I... I do you, well, do, you're saying it's racist because it's changing language. Is you, that why? Is, it's un, it's, it is unsophisticated in its way that it tries to fix a problem that isn't there. There is no problem. You can be a trans person and call yourself a Latina. In fact, no. it, like in fact, there there are people that have a problem. I'm not. I'm. I. I. I with with the concept of there are trans people that have a problem with the concept of non-binary, and my problem with the whole like I am for trans rights. This is not. This is not me being upset at the fact that I'm getting lumped into somebody, uh, into a group of people that I don't approve with. They're they're my brothers and sisters. I like non-binary people. They are also like. I, I interview them. My problem is more with, and I think that what we're tapping in here is, because um, I've heard about this before happening. Like, you, well, like, 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 that, like, I think there's a generational thing because I think that I'm allowed. Me, meaning, I am older and wiser. No, I, 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 no, <laughs> I'm but, joking. No, no, no. I don't. I don't disagree. I think that your experience is very different because you're not. You're completely oblivious to this. You don't. You're not around. No, I'm not. I'm not. Not. I am. I am aware well, you're, of you're, it. You're I'm, completely... in, I'm in an academic institution where this is part of the thing, and I understand. And the art world is sort of really involved with it. I do think. I do remember though, like when Chicano came along. You know, my dad's godson comes to the front door, and he's like taking Chicano studies. You know, my dad goes, what are you talking about? You're going to study, study be an engineer. Yeah, yeah. What, what are you going to do with that? And I'm like, hey, that's kind of interesting. Chicano, okay, what is this thing? So I do think, and it allows for a different kind of dialogue to be developed, 
okay, and a, a different kind of perspective to be mm. developed, which could not be developed otherwise. And so I, I do think that the, um, the space that can be created with this idea of Latinx allows for another kind of point of view, another kind of uh, landscape to be talked about, et cetera. And I have no problem with different types of landscapes mm-hmm. being talked about and, okay, here's this thing, because they all allow for different perspectives to be presented and insights to be gotten. So I don't have a problem in terms to of that. But to me, it's a little bit more tied into what I was talking about with the AOC thing. We are only spoken to in the in the discourse when we're being corrected. And that is the problem that I have with it. I'm okay with the space. When you say AOC, you mean that she's correcting or? Uh, what I'm saying. You, you thought you brought up AOC. Oh, no, no, I'm talking about the, oh, I'm sorry. I meant the, the kids in cages, you know? Oh, okay. That whole thing, it's the same. It's the same. It's, it's based on the same thing. So you're saying that, oh, because they're using this term on the one hand, and so they're supposed to be... They're I'm saying they're, to be, putting tape on, uh, they're putting right. tape on something, but that, that but tape not is busted. Really, they're not really addressing the real issue. Yeah, and they're doing it out of that white... They're doing it out of that white guilt. And then why do I have to put tape on your white guilt? <laughs> because, you know, I haven't been... But that a, would be the case regardless of whether Latinx was the term or not. Yeah, I'm just saying that this is the term. And I, I, like it, Latinx is not the problem. It's a symptom of a broader issue, of a broader racism towards, like, because we're not... It, well, it's a problem based, of, I think, on the, on, the, on the fact that what do whites, what do Anglos have to... How do they understand this whole group of people that are not black Americans... There are this other thing, and within that other thing, there's a huge range of different peoples, and there are different cultural aspects to it. And you have this whole other space that's south of the border that goes all the way down to the tip that they don't, is full of all this other stuff. So they are not they don't really know what do you do with this. They don't even know that Russians are not Anglo-Saxon. They don't even know that. They don't even know that there is a ethnic difference between Russians yeah, and people thing. and people. And so that is so, that is the problem. Not Latinx. It is them, it is academics that have no fucking real world experience deciding that this is how we talk about things now. But, you know, and then now it's like, at the same time, we're Latinx, but Russians are evil. And it's okay to talk about shit about them. Why? Because they're white. They're not white like you're white. That's a whole different uh, group of people. It's exactly. <laughs> and actually within Russia itself, do you, do you there are different groups within Russia. If, 100%. If you, go, if you go to Siberia, it's all It's fucking, it's a huge landmass. It's a fucking massive <laughs> landmass, dude. It's a different thing. Yeah. And, and like I said, it is, my problem is not with being inclusive. My problem is that you're being inclusive in an authoritarian way that is not sensitive to the traditions of different cultures. It's the same thing as like when people want to fix machismo in Latin America. I'm like, bro. Who wants to fix that? <laughs> Every, all i hear is people talking about that shit like just like bro when i tell people that i'm cuban the first thing i have to tell them is that i'm not right wing and that is fucking problematic because not all cubans are right wings 
wing, there's a whole bunch of people in Cuba that are leftists. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it was Cuba, right? I mean, it was, so it's like, Castro it is, was there. It is such a fucking ignorant outlook on it, and it is so frustrating to, to me. As like, and, and, I, and the generational thing about you being old, older and wiser is that I do think I am, what I'm getting from this conversation is that it, it doesn't bother you, and I think, like, I think that... The, I'm not saying it doesn't bother me. I'm saying, I'm th- saying more like, I think one has to choose one's battles. Yeah. And one has to, like I said, work within their sphere of influence and do what they can do. Why am I going to talk to people? On an individual basis, never. It doesn't make sense to do that. Yeah, no, I would never correct someone. Also, I would just get fucking lynched. And the other thing I I think too is that, okay, it just presents another space that allows for other kinds of thoughts to be uh, engaged with. But we are victims of Spanish. Spanish, we didn't pick Spanish. You know, maybe, maybe, right. maybe us not so much because maybe we have some conquistador uh, roots, but like, but we didn't p- pick Spanish. We didn't pick Catholicism. Catholicism was enforced on us. And everybody wants to have this very, very detailed and very new com- nuanced conversation about race and equity and all of this stuff. And we're getting left out and we're getting wrapped up in these in these conversations where we're only used like we're we're used as a monolith like we're used like people in the in the discourse we have people that that say that like oh you got to you got to vote against Trump for minorities despite the fact that so many minorities so many latin minorities support so to me that is not that that the same thing is not happening. It to me the problem with Latinx is not that it's inclusive of Latinx people, but that it's exclusive of Latin American people. It it it, it anybody that resists that you're putting a label on me, and now if I resist that, I'm homophobic. That's uh, you know, or transphobic. No, I I, I get it, if trans people get to identify how they want to be. So you to, so you would prefer, or you would like not to be. Latinx uh, can exist. But uh, it doesn't. Uh, uh, but don't uh, apply to everybody, right? Well, I don't know if it is on an individual no, basis. Nobody. But I don't know. When the people talk about Latin Americans, they say Latinx. They don't say. And I didn't even know that fucking word. See, when you. By the way, this is. I think it's also kind of a little bit confusing in terms of in ter- terminology being used. Like when you use Latin America, Latin Americans, I'm thinking of people who were born in, quote unquote, Latin America, and then come here. As opposed to, Latinos. I did say Latin American descent, right? Yeah. Well, no, you said Latin America. You didn't say descent. No, but in, in another. So point, you like, mean? So you mean those who trace their family to Latin America? Yeah, Latin Mexico Americans. Yeah, like, like I mean, I, I, I don't know about Mexicans. Well, here's another the thing Cuba, that Cubans really think of themselves as Latin American. Uh, yeah, see, I don't know if Mexicans think of themselves so much as Latin Americans. That's my fucking point. We're all yeah, goddamn we, different. I, and, and the other thing, <laughs> well, the other thing about it, I think that's different, let's say, than, for example, Cubans, is um, at one point, yeah, this was all indigenous land, and then it was Spanish land, then it was Mexico. You know, so it's sort of like, okay, that's a different kind of relationship mm-hmm. to the United States, I think Mexicans have, than other people coming from other places, like people coming from El Salvador or Guatemala or wherever. You know, I think it's different. Um, so when you use the term Latin America, generally when I think of, when I think of that, I think of like South America. Yeah. I don't, I don't even really think of Central America. 
Well, so me- Mexico is technically North America, yes, so you guys is. aren't even South Latin yeah, American, right, then, technically. Right, right, so I don't even think of it that way. <laughs> well, plus because the landscape I've been moving in has always been the Southwest. Yeah. You know? But I also, and so it's a different sort of space than, I think, for example, the space that you grew up in, because first you were... You said like six years old, you were in Italy. I lived in Costa Rica until until six, and then I lived in Italy until 12, and then Miami. And then Miami, which is a completely different place. I don't even think that should be part of the United States. No, I don't think so either. (laughs) But uh, what is that place? What is that place? But um, yeah, so I think, you know, and and then it's East Coast. So then you have a really different kind of uh, relationship. Yeah. To this whole thing. And like for but me. we're all Latinx. Yeah. But so I think it's like a really different. So I do think. Um, Latino is an inclusive term. Like it always has been. And and and, and in terms of like women calling right. themselves. Women identify as Latino. You know, like Latino is an, is an entity. That's, I, can, I cannot speak for women. I don't. I, I have heard women's like Latino. Again, my sister, if my wife were here, we could ask her. <laughs> my sisters call themselves Latinos. They're not Latinas. Latino is well, a Well, she's ter- saying Latino because it's, she's thinking of it more as a kind of a group. As a group. So not in terms el of mar, gender. El mar is, is masculine, right? Yeah. Is that misogynist? I'm just saying, saying, bro, if we're going to nitpick fucking words, let's at least be accurate. That's what drives me crazy about this shit. You know, I have OCD, so maybe that's also what bothers me about this. Maybe. But, 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 but like, and I, 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 it's just weird that we ended up talking. I think that Latinx, unfortunately, turns out to be the most representative word of this kind of, um, Correcting of a lesser culture. Le- well, lesser culture. I have, now there, I have a problem when you use the word lesser culture. But well, I mean, that's the perspective from which that, I, I that would attitude say this, comes though, from. I think one of the things that's been productive about using the term within the art world is that it has opened up a space of conversation where you, they, where curators can begin to address this issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I say curators, I'm talking about white curators can begin to address this issue and sort of think about the complexities that exist there. It's not anywhere near where it needs to be, but at least it's provided that kind of have you space. seen a ride have you seen a rise in um in trans like art uh, Latin American artists getting shows? I haven't been aware of that. Is has that I think that's has that made a true yeah, yeah, change? Yeah, I do. Because I, I the only places I see it, I don't see it at big institutions. The only places I see it are spaces like ours, where we have non-binary artists. Spaces like uh, what's it well, called? Well, no, I would say like for example, you, do you know uh, Rafael Sparza's work? No. Yeah, I look at Rafael Sparza. He was at the Hammer. He was at the Whitney. Uh, look at um, what's her Lisa Alvarez, who was at the Whitney, and she's up right. She's got to show up right now at. Um, Red Cat. And they weren't getting shows before Latinx came out? Well, I think they were getting shows, but I think what's happening now is they're obviously getting more um, attention. You know, if you look at like uh, Gabriela Ruiz, who's a young, very young person, um, you know, she's, uh, yeah, she's getting shows, she's getting attention. So yes, I do think that that, that is happening. Mm-hmm. You know, I think... Um, and there's a lot of other people out there, you know, so I think maybe maybe that's something you need to look into to kind of see 
what is happening. And of course, one could always say that there's um, it's a certain kind of specific kind of work, but I don't care about that. I just think that, like I said, it opens up a different space for understanding mm. and for possibility. You know, you have to first have the space before you actually do anything with it. But the kids are still in cages, so they don't actually give a shit. <laughs> no, that's a that's a whole different. It's not. Thing. It's not. Well, no, it is because I do think one is this idea, notion of representation, which is art. The other is this other i this other thing, which is reality. Okay, so which I, is I, the cages thing. I don't. I personally really. I don't know to what extent I would really want to make work about. Um, the uh, young people in cages. I would rather like, let's do something about getting them out of the cages, getting them. I think that the genera uh, there's an interesting generational thing here between us where you think you, you think representation has a value that maybe I don't necessarily think. I, I, I think that like, and I think that it's that, that reality and that, oh, I, and that it, represents it does have a value because if I think back about when I first started and I did work and I showed work at Helter Skelter, mm -hmm. right? Okay, so the big thing, I had a large sculpture called Baby Baby and then I had one, two, three, four paintings there and a small, uh, smaller sculpture, which is like five by five by five of a piece called 4MLK. Mm -hmm. And... The only thing that was really spoken about was the piece for Baby Baby. And um, and only part of that was spoken about because within that, the purple walls, there were drippy purple walls on there. That was not talked about. And then there was a Mother's Day, uh, a Mexican Mother's Day plaque mm -hmm. there. So that was in Spanish. And I'm not going to translate for people when I put this stuff in there if somebody wants to know. Go find somebody to translate for you. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be me. and But that was never mentioned. So, and then the paintings too, like there's the there's the catalog uh, for Hilter Sculpture there. Mm -hmm. And if you look at that, there's a drawing in there for one of the paintings that were in the show. And it put in there the whole Mother of the Dios prayer and all of that is written in there. And then there's also something in there that I can't remember if I wrote it or if I got it from somebody like, Neruda, but I probably think I wrote it because I didn't, there's no, I didn't uh, put down by, by Pablo Neruda. But as again, it's in Spanish. Nobody really talked about it. Zero attention to any of that. Now, there is much more attention to to that kind of stuff. Maybe not in the way that I would, maybe not all the time I think it should be, but like, you know, um, and here's a, I mean, this is, here's a white guy, Charlie James. He's showing work downtown. He's been doing it for several years. And I think, okay, well, that's good at least. And there's um, uh, La Pau Gallery, L-A-P-A-U for Paula. I don't know if you've been there. There's that. There's coming within council. So they're showing work now that is speaking I, to I'm not against these other any things. of that. But what, so what I'm saying is that, yeah, representation does mean something because these things are now getting... In the, art world, in the art world, maybe, but we have representation in the political realm with someone like AOC, specifically tied to this conversation of the reality versus the representation. Now, yes, on those levels, in the art world, representation matters. But as a Cuban who's, no, who's had Marco Rubio as a Latin American <laughs> representative, well, you guys can go all fuck yourselves.
You're not in fa favor of uh, Rubio. I don't like Marco Rubio. No, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't like Marco Rubio either. I think he's an idiot personally. Yeah. No, I'm, all I'm saying is that um, that right now, in like your generation, definitely benefited from it. But right now, we've had enough representation for a very long time. We've had, you know. In fact, one of the here. Let me let me say that. Say what you're gonna say. Some, some, something interesting. Um, I don't think that queer people have had representation historically in this country. And that's a valid thing because until now we have it like booty judge and all those people, what's it? They, they were making, um, Barney Frank admit that he was gay in Congress <laughs> or, and, and, and he, and when he was interviewed about it, he's like, I acknowledged I was gay. I didn't admit because I didn't do anything wrong by being gay. So the, the gay community has never really had open representatives, except for like Harvey Milk, who didn't well, get killed. Well, that's changed, though. That's changed. Change. Yeah, but I've said... But I, I do have, think representation... Let, them have, let gay people... Important. Hold on. Let gay people have their Marco Rubios, and we'll see how much they think representation matters. <laughs> well, I think you have to think about the context of things. I mean, for example, if you look at 1950s America, at that time... You know, what are you looking at? Like in the movies and everything else, it's basically all white America. Yeah, yeah. That's it. You know? Um, well, I mean, I was going to so ask this you, idea, Eric Estrada. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's Eric Estrada. But, but you know, and you had, a, a, you know, if there was a quote-unquote minority, they always were um, second. You know, they were cast as seconds to the main yeah, yeah. person. Now we got Pedro so, Pascal as a lead. Yeah, in that so show. I, I do think that, you know, representation in the arts, can point to the future. I think that's what's happened. I mean, if you look at, you know, contemporary culture today or just popular culture today, that's really highly influenced by um, the art world. No, yeah, like shows you know? like uh, shows that may, that normalize being gay are definitely huge, uh, you know, like uh, what's it called? The... Um... The, the whatever <laughs> the one that gets a lot of credit with the two, with the guy the gay guy in the modern, redhead modern family. no no this is like from the 90s i oh. look i don't think representation doesn't matter but representation at the expense of getting kids out of cages well, I, know, I never said representation was the end goal no no i never used to, I, I, it, I, it's, I, it's I, not I, no i'm just but it does provide no, yeah yeah uh a space for moving forward in other areas. Yeah. You know, I mean, you certainly, I mean, you, you do have a lot more, um, uh, people of color in, uh, political offices, but you still have people, you didn't have that, but you before. still have black people getting shot by the police. Yes, you do. I am. There's, and so, there's so no that, that is my, that, 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 that there there's is no question about that. The left, the liberal left here is not a working class party anymore it may have been at some point it may have represented working class people now all it does well, it, it was at one point, a certain yeah, point but i do think that changed with clinton yep uh obviously that changed yeah yeah it it, it, it like and so is your argument there with the political parties my argument is with the it is with the academic like the, the democratic party has a fascination with um the other well, yes, that that's not where I was going, but yes, okay. they have a fascination with um, 
Ah, fuck. And, well, the, with the other, uh, let's go with that. Yeah. Like the, with the other. The, but they need to because of the way they're structured. Because they don't, they don't do anything for anybody. So it's all virtue signal. So Latinx does not come from a place of like wanting to help all Latinos. Latinx is a virtue signal that comes from, you, you know, it, it, now that like, it's like, uh, what's her name? Had a huge, had a great joke. Uh, what's her, what's her face? She, uh, she was like, uh, She's like when she became African American, she went back to the bank and she's like, "Oh, I'm African American now. <laughs> I, I can, I'm, I'm here for that loan, as opposed to being black." Like this terminology does not take racism away. Uh, oh, you know. Well, nobody ever said it. At least I never thought it did, would. Yeah, but then, but then you're we sound like a, you're saying it should have. No, I'm saying that that is not the prescription for changing the world to a more like equitable society. To only talk about equitable societies and not actually help people. Do you unionize. think it's possible to have a more equitable society? I think that this shit is gonna burn. I think that this shit so is you don't think, So you don't think it is possible? No, I, I'm not trying to fix anything, uh, Victor. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to understand yeah, no, where I'm, you're I'm, coming from. That's I am, all. I am, I, I am a, what, what is it? Uh, there, the, what's the other one? Absurdist. I'm an absurdist. I'm not a, uh, a, a nihilist, uh, but I do think that... Maybe that's an Italian thing. Yeah, that might be. Yeah, for sure. Actually, just when I think about it, yeah, Italian I mean, politics. it's very Dadaist, it, it, you know, and not that the Dada was Italian, but is European. And I think that yeah. a lot of that absurdism comes from the like the place where you know the two world wars were fought. <laughs> so, you're, so are you suggesting that the system, the political system, and maybe the economic system as well, are sort of um, gearing up for like you're reaching the top of the peak and then it's all just going to I down. I think that the only thing that the solution of representation does not help black people, does not help Latino people. Oh, I never said that. No, no, no. I'm just, I never, I'm not accusing you of saying that. I'm saying it is insufficient for one of our. But it's always been insufficient. Representation in and of itself doesn't solve it. Everything doesn't solve anything in a sense, yeah. but it is a but I'm, part I'm, of the the toolkit. Let's say, but I'm describing. And that's all this, I'm saying. As yeah, far no, as what is actually going to happen, we're t- we're learning each other's language. We're, we're learning each other's language. The other thing, I, the thing is, I, I do think that um, I don't know if they're saving anything. Actually, I think that's something I kind of. Think about now. I have to think about that though in relationship to the fact that I have grandkids. Mm-hmm. So, do I want to think, oh, everything is fucked up and there's no fucking way around it? Um, or do I think, let's see what's going to happen here and let's see how maybe we can do something that's going to be helpful for my grandkids? Okay. So, I kind of have to think, I think if you have. Uh, I mean, you've made it clear that you take action. Kids, yeah, you know, or you have grandchildren. Um, I don't think you can just throw up your hands and say, "Oh, the world is fucked. It's all come. It's all going to burn down." Um, no one, no one ever knows what actually is going to happen, and so I don't know. But I do think that um, there's a problem with our politics. Yeah, and that, and to me. To me, I understand the power of inclusivity, but to me, that 
the biggest contribution that uh, academia has really given Latin American cultures in the last decade that I can remember is Latinx. Like what has, what, what, what contribution to Latin American culture or uh, Latino culture can you really say from an institution, from institutions that are uh, prohibitively expensive for people now? It's, that's also a generational thing. The, the representation, representation, what the fuck is representation if what you have is middle-class black people getting from middle-class to upper-class, you know? You're not pulling anyone out of poverty. Um, and, and so to me, the, like, I mean, I agree with you, it's insufficient, but there are things that, that like, um, that we don't do anymore. And I think, and I don't think it's the fault of the kids that, that I think that, I think that when the Vietnam war stuff was happening and all that protesting, there was a very concerted effort to restructure things so that that wouldn't happen again. And now we're seeing people in France protesting in a way that we can't even imagine in this country. Meanwhile, we've got uh, derailments where pollution is being thrown up into the sky and like white people are getting fucked. Like, that's my point. As we're getting into a more equitable um, society, more poor, like it becomes more classist and we're like more fuck these people that are poor. And that to me is not, you know, that to me is tied to that whole, like, I'm a good person. I uh, American exceptionalism, that myth that you were talking about before that we can fix everything. Like America in the next two decades is going to be a lot more like England after the war, which is depressed and unable to do anything. It like and how and to exert any influence. It may be, yeah. It may be. I don't know. I think that um, there was something I was thinking about when you were talking. What was that? Sorry. No, it's fine. Um, I love talking to Latinos. It'll it'll come back. (laughs) We get so heated, bro. We got so much to talk about. This is a great conversation. I really appreciate it. Hopefully I won't get canceled because I do like trans people (laughs) and I do like non-binary people. I just think that it's weird to be like, hey, we all of a sudden support trans people. I guess what I'm going to say is this. No, no, you wait a second. (laughs) We we support all of this, so now you have to support it. I think that, um, I mean, in the end, the ultimate issue I think is economic. Yes, you know that's 100%. the that's the ultimate issue, and the economics of keep I, getting I people think, out of for profit prisons. I do think that um, that I don't know if it will change. I don't see that changing. I I think that uh, there was the recent um, strike by the SEIU with LAUSD, and you know for a three day strike, and they got their um, they got their contract, so that was good. Um, I think teachers are going to be possibly striking. So I think there's a potential for that kind of social action to take place. Whether it would take place on the scale that's happening in France, I don't think so. We need at least Actually, two decades before, before I think, we ever get I think there. Needs, things need to become much, much worse I think before that- people actually would say, yeah, we have to do this. I think that one of the most interesting things that I've heard someone say is that uh, that the, the, the youth today is really, they, they have been co-opted in a way where they are rebelling against the past, like against concepts, but not the institutions that enforce them. So like nobody, everybody likes, this, like people like the CIA, but they're against racism. <laughs> 
and they like CIA, the CIA? yeah dude like cia and fbi are super uh, popular right now what so many people are like it's okay that they that, that the twitter files is fine and that shit has been a disaster too because uh, elon musk and matt taibbi are now beefing but but mm. but but that that whole thing of like look man when you have people being authoritarians you can't take the good things they do and and not look and not analyze them like yes being more, trying to be more inclusive with a terminology like Latinx is, well, is you know, is part good. of the issue, I think, I guess, is the whole, you know, um, neoliberalism sort of that we have, right? That's my fucking point. That's, that's, <laughs> well, you see, you never use the term, but, um, well, I mean, it, I, I said liberals, liberals are neoliberals. There's right. no separation. There's well, no, like, no, distinction. I think, well, no, because I think neoliberalism is very specific to the economics to Margaret Thatcher, yeah, yeah, you know, to right well, wing, to it's Reagan, right wing. And to the idea of the markets, Reagan, too, and yeah. therefore of um, really focusing on the individual, like everybody has a choice, and so then you combine that with social media that just keeps promoting that over and over and over again about you have a choice, here's your, what's your selection, what you want to do, so that everybody is atomized. There's all one thing they never see themselves collectively. As a group, when I was a union rep with LAUSD, one of the biggest problems or difficulties was just getting people to understand the larger concept and to be able to work together towards a common goal. That was difficult to do. And this is, you know, I'm dealing with people who are, I mean, I was older than most of them, but understanding that. I think the same thing when there was a strike at UCLA there uh, with the TAs and the grad students and all of that. That was another problem there too, because so many of them were think are very used to growing up with okay, this is my choice, this is what I'm going to do, it's my thing, and that includes actually that even ha that happens too within the art world. Mm -hmm. So there were you know graduate students in the art world, and some of them did not participate on the um, strike lines. They wouldn't, they didn't go to class. They were supporting them that way, but they didn't go out there and actually march. Yeah, yeah. you know. So and that the right wing has idea been, has fucked all that shit up with right to work states and stuff like that. Like I'm not yeah, just yeah, blaming. Yeah. I'm just saying that there's no fucking party that's not right wing in this country. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So I think that that's obviously a huge problem, you know, in trying to get something done here. Uh, but people just don't see that, I guess, as a. Um, they're not willing to make that kind of commitment because it is a commitment to go out there to strike, to forego wages, et cetera, to put yourself second to you a group. You need mutual aid to do that. Yeah, you, how are you going to fucking eat if you're on strike and you're not making money? Like there's an infrastructure that this country has had hollowed out that used to do that. We just ripped up the, we just broke a strike, our side, right? The left side that we just broke a strike and then a few days later, the, there's the derailment. And it's not just that one. There's been a bunch of other ones. Yeah, there's other ones that are and happening. And it's fucking insanity. It is really insane. It's like we're putting pretty little things. We're calling out Latin Americans, you know? And like, like, like <laughs> how about this? American X. How about, how about we start being inclusive in the way that we describe well, actually, Americans? That, that was a movie. Yeah, I know. I know. That's American History X. You take yes, the that's right. American X. I'm going to start calling you motherfuckers American X. And I'm going to be like, I don't like the way well, you run your politics. Well, when I use politics. the word Latinx, I actually think of Malcolm X. I know. Right? Well, <laughs> well, I think that's okay. Here's a guy who decided to take ownership of his own presence and take it away from the white man. So he took away the white man's last name. 
but it's, it's it's almost the opposite in this situation so. where we're being imposed the X. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I, well, it depends on who's adopting. And then it. to go back on a point that I said that I was trying to make earlier when you were talking, but but I and I tried to squeeze it in, but like honestly, what this reeks of is we have done, and it goes back to that white white guilt thing. We have been fucking trans people forever. Now that we give a shit, you got to give a shit about it too. And it's like, bro. <laughs> fuck you who are you to tell us how to how to treat our own people when you have been incredibly transphobic for the entire history and now all of a sudden you turn around and you're going to tell people that their language is inaccurate a language that was imposed on them as well like latin americans are victims of colonialism and to to be to be preaching to people about how they should be speaking about their language it just doesn't sit right with me i get i get what you're saying and i get but yeah, that, i just don't have the same kind of um visceral feeling because about it in terms of like i don't see it as actually trying to change the language because i just see it in relationship to this one word i don't think the language itself has changes people are still using you know the gendered aspect of the language I've, I've, every, I've, all the time I've, bro but but maybe not in terms of i've ne I, like i've ne i never hear the word latino anymore in, 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 well, in, I don't mean in terms of labels. I'm just talking about just language in general. You Spanish in general. You don't think it's a little crazy for people that don't have masculine or feminine in their language to be preaching what to What I'm other saying is that I don't see that masculine and feminine disappearing from Spanish. No, but when we're in... That's what I'm but, saying. But it, it it is being taken away from us when we exist in white spaces. No, I can still use the words. Not, well, I mean, I would like to identify as Latino. And if people are calling me like Latinx, now, now do I get to... I can still say el amor. I don't have to say amorex. No, 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 no. We're talking about one specific yes, word. Yes, that's what one... I'm saying. So I'm not, I don't have the same visceral, I guess, reaction. Because I just see it in relationship to that one word. Yeah, but that one word is an act of, 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 of... Uh, what's it called? What's American exceptionalist bigotry? Yeah, but that's yeah okay. I mean, it doesn't maybe, have to bother maybe, you. It doesn't maybe, have to bother you. Maybe I'm but not on a conceptual, sure. On a conceptual level, I think that you to be inclusive, you should be inclusive, not exclusive. <laughs> to be inclusive, you should not go back and rewrite a history of 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 Latin American men who decided, and Latin American women, who have been calling themselves one thing for a very long time, let us do that. You know, that's my, that's my only complaint with that word. Let us do that. Let's, let, let's not start, because again, Italiano, Italiana, we're only doing it to the countries that are not more powerful than us, right? Like, I'm not that Italy, Italy's European and white, right? Uh, we're only doing it to the people that we fucking coup, and it's an and to me it's an extension of that attitude of of it is it is a it like it it it's just the way that like for example I can't I'm not allowed to call myself a person of color people don't let me do that people are like well you have to understand and I'm like yeah motherfucker you don't understand I'm not Anglo-Saxon <laughs> mm -hmm. 
And to me, so it's not just the Latinx. It is the policing of my identity that makes me uncomfortable. It is people telling me, no, you're not, you, you have to acknowledge that you're white. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm not from well, Michigan. Well, the idea, I guess actually the, the idea of policing is kind of an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. You know. Policing identities. And I don't know why I, why we're having a discussion about people getting to choose their own pronouns, but I can't choose the way that you, you tell me that I am. You can't tell, like, I'm proud. I grew up Latino. I'm proud of being a Latino because d despite what people say, I have suffered racism. It, it, yeah, yeah. People are racist towards me. Have people ever been racist towards you? Yeah, I mean, we were, my brother and I were called peons when we were working on the slopes. So, so every time that you tell like a that. fucking Latin American person that they are white, you're a fucking dick. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So that's what it's tied up in me for. Because I don't think people used to police that for you. Like, I think that that's maybe part of the generational thing. Maybe people were more overtly racist with you. But for, well, with me, they're super covertly racist. Maybe. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, because I do think a lot of these things, the way people sort of feel about terms, come out of like personal experiences. You know? So like being able to have sort of the freedom of, deciding how to think of yourself. And part of that is just that we live in the United States, you know, because it's so much about the notion of identity and representation because politically that's the only thing you have. Right. So we understand each so, other. Yeah. yeah. Like that, like that's why it's so visceral for me. And I, and I, and I totally understand why it's not for you. I, I, I understand that our experiences come from very different places I understand that like when you tell people you're Mexican, the reaction is not, oh my God, are you a Republican? Which is problematic in and of itself because there's a lot of Republican Mexicans. <laughs> well, it's a very, cons I mean, it's a conservative culture. Yes, motherfuckers, right? it's so, Catholic. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, there's that part of it. And also I think just that, in, you know, while there is some kind of socialized medicine in Mexico, in terms of work, everybody's hustling. You're always hustling, you know? So, um, yeah, there's kind of less of a dependence on government in that way, I think. So the same thing here. A lot of people, they just work and work and work and work. You know, that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. So there's kind of a different kind of idea that, oh, government's supposed to help you. We're here with the left, um, which developed, let's say, you know, and came into its own during the Depression and World War II, and then was sort of the became the establishment up until you know Reagan gets elected. Um, people grew up with that idea: government's there to help you. Unions came along; we're all there all the time. But when you look at the whole history of the United States itself, it's kind of leftist politics are actually pretty small. Yeah, this is it a right-wing really, country. It just, it's, it's a very s small amount of time. Yeah. You know, so I think now what you're seeing, I think, is the way America actually inherently is, mm -hmm. you know, all about um, we're going to get ours and you're not going to get any of it. 
But I think that, I mean, like, that is neoliberalism. Neoliberalism is what destroyed that leftist movement because it was union busting under Nixon and under, and under what's his name, uh, Reagan. Like, that is like what... I mean, maybe not so much under Nixon. Nixon not was surprisingly really so much. Nixon, Nixon was, surprising. was kind of left in a way. Yeah, he was surprisingly left. Remember, he gave, he he, yeah. he ended the war in Vietnam. Yeah. and stuff. I mean, he was an asshole. You know, just as a person. Yeah, yeah. At least a person in a political sense. I don't know. I never. Uh, maybe on a personal level, one one. Maybe he's a nice guy. I don't yeah. know. But um, yeah. So I think um, that's funny. I like see only two Latinos would know. That 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 Reagan that Nixon was to the left of Reagan. Oh yeah, <laughs> this is what you guys don't know about your own culture because they don't fucking they, like these people. They don't they don't they don't know their own history and how they interact with us. We know American history through our own history. We know what we've done. You know, well, I talked to somebody from El Salvador. He's gonna know El Mozote. Mm-hmm. You know, you know El Mozote. Hey, do you know what El Mozote is? No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I just think, um, yeah, so I think we're kind of like, we're, we're going back to the way America actually was meant to be, according to the people who, like, established it. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what's happening. Like Hamilton, who had that fake-ass story written, play written about him that is not accurate about his history at all. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I just think... Uh, I, I guess maybe that's why I don't like. What am I going to do? No, no. I think that that I think that I'm of. I think the generational thing is that it, it's similar to like, um, like there. I think that I, I saw Stacy Peralta, the skater. He he's a director now, and he did the Crips versus um, Bloods, the yeah. uh, an American story. He did a movie on that. He's also done other stuff. But one of the things that was really interesting. Did he do Dogtown? Yeah, he did Dogtown and Z Boys, I think, and um, yeah, and then uh, or maybe he did the documentary, and Dogtown and Z Boys was the mo- the the uh, fiction. But basically, one of the things that was really interesting is how different generations cope with these things. Obviously, we have cultural differences because you're Mexican and I'm Cuban, and my shit is tied into like El Exilio, and I I don't really have much of an experience of Cubans that are like left wing. It like you know yeah. because I've lived in Miami, but one of the things that was really interesting, and I don't think he mentioned it in the movie, but there was the generation of the Watts riots. And that was all fists. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was the generation of the of the gangs, like of of the gangs. And there, I've heard somewhere, I don't well, I like in the nineties, yeah, nineties, yeah, uh, like sort of whole crack, super predators, deal. yeah. And uh, well, that was that was uh, no, what's her name? Clintons, yeah, yeah, super predators. <laughs> you know, she kind of popularized that term. That was ridiculous, but. yeah. And then uh, crack babies was also a big fake ass term that we grew up believing. And turns out nobody, there was like no fucking crack babies. Um, no. Yeah. And, and so anyway, one of the things that was really interesting is that generational difference between the people that had lived under much stronger racism, much stronger bigotry, were used to the cops treating them like shit. And then the ones, and then the generation, and I think there was like also some Vietnam PTSD involved in mm-hmm. some of that gang violence. Uh, I, I I can't source where I got that from because I just saw, remember it in passing. But that does seem like it's it's legit. But but basically, that is a whole different. That's the same problem 
but different generations coping it with different in different ways. And so I I I always like one of the th- my favorite people. One of the things that I miss the most is like Vietnam vets. They mm-hmm. taught me so much about the world. They taught me so much about American imperialism. And there's a whole generation that doesn't have access to that at all. Like I don't even know. It's like Iraqi vets are not even a thing because they're for, they're they're a volunteer force. They're not a draft force. So like no one really thinks about bro. We've got so many wars and we never hear about like Afghanistan vets. I've never hear about them covered anywhere. You know. Does well, it, there's never there's been some shows on there. I think maybe on Frontline or something talking about yeah. But it's front. But it's far. It's frontline. <laughs> but uh, maybe in a general sense, maybe not as much. I just think that um, the whole idea of you know racism in this country. Um, in the end, it's sort of like it really affects people personally, you know. And I think that's kind of where I start out from in that respect. Um, you know, my mother's brother was black. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he was an older brother. She, she could not sit with him on the bus, you know. So yeah. those kinds of things, um, you kind of, so those sort of, the, those things become part of you. Yeah. And then, you know, because it's family, you know, and then, you know, one of my sons married a woman from Nicaragua, and she's, you know, Afro-Nicaraguan. Um, and though her um, grandmother, one of her grandmother, is as white as snow. Yeah. So there's that whole other thing, too, about like that, and I think the last name is Cunningham, so there's sort of like the British kind of influence there. So there's all of this sort of stuff that happens on a really personal level, and I think affects people personally. Um so I'm always trying to kind of stay with that as the foundation of like whatever argument or whatever discussion I have, mm-hmm. because I think when it becomes abstract, it sort of loses the f- uh, fundamental aspect of like why this is a problem, mm-hmm. why this is wrong, because you are affecting people psychologically and you're not allowing them to be, you know, um, and I think in the end, that's kind of really what it's about. Um, so that's sort of the way I sort of yeah. I mean, think of, think of all those kids when they grow up that that were yeah. In they're going to be they're going to be that's going to be fucking crazy. That discussion is going to be insane when they're old enough to speak for themselves, bro. It's not going to be good for Biden and and for Obama. Like it's really not. Like the you know it's it. What's happening now is so fucking crazy. Where they're prosecuting this guy and they're prosecuting Trump for the dumbest shit that they're never going to be able to 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 pin on him. It doesn't. See, that, I don't know if I agree with you about that because number one, I w- I don't want to. I think what the problem is is sort of like the system. So yeah, there's these actors within the system, but I don't want to focus on them because I think that kind no, no, of no, but, 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 well, wait a second, that takes away sort of the larger problem, which is the system itself and how it's but functioning. But I'm talking about the system. Oh, give me a second. So so what I'm saying about the system is that the reason that they're prosecuting this guy this way is because if they prosecuted him for the actual war crimes he did, Nancy Pelosi would also be prosecuted. Um, 
uh, Obama would be prosecuted. We had like it has been proven by fucking Chomsky and uh, a few studies that every single president we've had since World War II is a war criminal. So what they are prosecuting this man for is to hope maintain their power because if they really wanted to like fucking prosecute him for being a fucking thug ass person all the shit that people hate him for which is legit like he is a shit person like if they did it they would all be complicit that's why we didn't prosecute uh the 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 um a bush for like you know obama's great resolution to that was just like hey uh we tortured some folks i'm talking about the entire system how it works they do not prosecute each other the only reason they're prosecuting this guy is because they don't want him to run what, what is what would be your solution i there's not i'm just bitching <laughs> okay i, I told just, you I i'm just... an absurdist i'm gonna still live my life but i'm gonna have the rage <laughs> and what's the rage gonna give you uh, I don't know. It's fun. It's, it's, it, it, I mean, that's what everybody's into, right? Like that's what the whole Latinx thing is about. I'm it's not in it's, the rage. It's indignant virtue signaling and I'm doing my own version of it. <laughs> I see. I see. I, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I guess I just don't see that as maybe productive. To who? For me. Yeah. I don't see like, why am I going to be raging? You know what? What does that? What does that get At least you, me? Well, you're not surprised. You're and, not surprised by what happens. Like I'm never surprised. When, no, I understand the, yeah. the world we live in. I understand the way things are. I understand who's constructed the world that I live in, and all of that. And maybe so, when I get to to, to you know, a little older, I'll I'll not so, have the energy um, for it. <laughs> like I said, I just try to within my sphere of influence, I try to have some sort of effect, yeah, in a positive way for whatever the kids, you know. Like at school and things like that, uh, I'm gonna go talk to some kids over at Cal State LA and to, to a, a person's um, art history class. Yeah, and so, you know, I mean, people are born into the world, and how they affect the world in the end, who knows? Mm -hmm. But they come into it, and they come in, they come into it without a history. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a I was in a show called um, After the Gold Rush was uh, made by, it was um, curated by Vincent Ramos. And so it was about the um, the walkouts and everything that happened uh, East LA on Vietnam and the school and all of that. And so I had in there, in the painting, I had this one, I took a small little, painted a small little portrait of a, uh, one of my students when I was teaching at LAUSD. And it was when she was a little girl and she was in Mexico. She was, a, so she's in her school uniform. And then I had a little, she gave me a little photo of herself in the school uniform standing before the Mexican flag. So I actually glued that into the lower right hand mm -hmm. corner of the painting. Then there was this like wacky clown that I painted that was based on a dentist office that was there near um, the Silver Dollar Bar where uh, Ruben Salazar was shot mm -hmm. uh, by the sheriff. And I was thinking about the fact that here she comes in, she's leaving in East LA at that time. She knows nothing about that history or anything at all. She comes in and she has kids. So somehow, though, something's going to happen with her being there. Mm. And so I'm, I think about that part of it. Like, what is going to actually happen? How does she influence, her presence influence the world? How do her kids, who are now going to school, mm. what are they going to end up doing? So I think I kind of approach it more. Yeah, from that well, point I mean, of view, I, I'm also a much more public facing person. You know, like you, you have your art, and you're well known for that. But I'm also like making content, 
And rage is good content. <laughs> I see. <laughs> no, but I also look, man, I think that like I don't sit and and think about it and stress about it. You know, right. I'm, I'm not thinking, thinking sitting at home and being like, one more motherfucker calls me Latinx, I'm gonna slap. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking I get it. I what, what I'm talking about is just the general sense. And I think I I really I don't I don't think people really see what they're doing. There, I think that there's like there, the, one of the. Th I guess what I'm trying, what I'm passionate about exposing, is this. I right now the dialogue is very much, oh, the Republicans are evil and they're racist and all of that. And I'm like, bro, some of the most racist shit that has ever been said to me has been said by liberals, like offensive shit. You know, like yeah. like. You know, it's okay to be Cuban. I'm like, motherfucker, what are you talking about? I relate as a white ass looking motherfucker. I relate to the scene in um, in what's it called, Get Out, where where all the people mm. are being super condescending and microaggressive with him. Like that is a reality that people that first of all, I'm not allowed to talk about because people are like, well, you know, like that policing thing again. Mm. But like here I am, I'm talking to a Latino. It's a really interesting conversation that I don't get to have. Like, you know, I'm not going to talk to a white, you think a, an Anglo-Saxon person is going to even try to humor me unless I'm talking to somebody else Latino and they're watching on TV. No, like this is, the, this is, you know, but I do think. Yeah, that you, you can't have the same kind of conversation. They don't have the, the, but them being able to see us have this conversation might give them some insight into what they don't understand, what is not there in their experience, right? Like, um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It like, and then, and, and it's, we don't learn. We don't learn. We didn't learn from the war in Iraq. We're still talking super racist shit about Russians who are not ethnically similar to us. And, and then we're all enlightened about how, like, like it, it's just, to me, the whole thing is full of shit. <laughs> the, whole, the whole moment, right? Like, for example, George Floyd, I've said this before on the show. George Floyd, when that happened, I thought we cared about people and we cared about the world. We only care about people in our borders. We're all too happy to fucking bomb people in Yemen. We're all too happy to have all these fucking wars that people can't even keep track of, you know, and, and that, that, what, what do you think? Why do you think our police is shooting our people? It's the same way that we treat like, so, so for me, the idea of how we treat people, how we've historically treated people in Latin America, that's coming home to roost. That shit's happening here because they don't care about working class people at all here there is just as unhuman as the people in, in latin america when they coup a government and they don't want them to have their own resources when you have a motherfucker like elon musk getting called out for the coup in bolivia and he's saying we'll coup whoever we want because he needs the lithium for his company <laughs> like uh, you're all full of shit you are all full of shit that's all <laughs> well you know i think it is a it, it is a is a big problem obviously the police have been a problem, are a problem. I mean, if you look at the history of the police in relationship to African-Americans, I mean, the police in the South were there to keep everybody a slave. So there's a big problem with all of this stuff. For-profit prisons. You know? Yeah, we have that, the sort for of privatization. For-profit, privatized. That, that's partly why that painting, you're talking about kids, that painting with a little girl's face, that's called Millions Disappear. Yeah. So yeah, bro. it is about. Yeah, motherfuckers. It is about. Yeah. 
this idea <laughs> of a kind of erasure that happens. Yeah. And it happens in a kind of innocuous way. Um, and, you know, I think it happens partly what, what you're saying is because people don't really, uh, whites don't really understand the history of like what, how even just language constructs, you know, presence. So there's that part of it. And I don't know how you, I don't know how that actually in the end changes to a point where, okay, it's cool. I don't know if it ever will, you know. I have lost any hope of being, a. am a pragmatist. <laughs> I believe I, I do. You're be absurdist. I'm an absurdist pragmatist who believes in mutual aid, and that's it. That's like, like you know, we were talking about what actions people can take. I think mutual aid is really one of the strongest things that we have as a community. I think that the ability for people to pull resources together to help people go on strike, which was happening with uh, with all the Frito Lay uh, things that were happening. Like there were so many strikes yeah. during COVID, and uh, and you know, I think Chris Smalls is a hero. All of that stuff, like, and I love that Chris Smalls just blings himself out. Like, he's not trying to be corporate. He's like, this is what I am. And one of the things that is crazy is that, like, when you when you do those actions and those strikes, like, do you stop and you're like, hey, is anybody here a Republican? You can't strike with us. Well, no, you're not going to do that. Why would you not do that? I mean, that's how our culture works, right? So we're never going to be a fucking leftist society as long as we keep ignoring people that are on the right just because they have opinions we disagree with. Well, I'm not sure that that's really the way. Why, why do I want to create those kinds of um, uh, barriers? Between, between... Yeah, different groups. Different groups. Yeah, exactly. We all are have a class commonality. And I'll, I'll tell you... All the people that are in the art world, all of the people that we're talking about in the like Gagosian and all of that, some of those people are are scrubs, right? Like, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean like they are not making more than forty thousand dollars a year, right? But the people that run that shit are fucking problems. That is that whole industry. To like when you when someone tells me something like. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, and I get what you're saying. Representation matters in the art world. It's great that people are have access to money laundering now. <laughs> well, I didn't. I wasn't saying it specifically to the art world. I was just saying representation does matter. But I do think within culture, I think that um, I mean the art world has always been like that. What you're saying, you know? Yeah. I mean, look at it, it's 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 a kind of um, opaque economic system. There were laws that they tried to pass here in California to make it more transparent, but uh, the people who are the collectors, they were able to block it because they have a lot of money so they can influence legislation. That's, that's the way it is. There's a dude that owns 90% of all fucking Andy Warhols. He owns 90% of them. And the only way that money, that, that, uh, that, that any like valuation happens is that it happens at, uh, Sotheby's and all of these auction houses. Yeah, at the auction houses. The private sales, nobody keeps track of that. So this motherfucker, what he does is that anytime a a a, a piece of Andy Warhol's work becomes available, he, he bids, buys it. He bids and he raises the fucking price of it. And one guy owns ninety percent of this stuff. And by by the way, the system is designed, he can keep inflating yeah. the value and then sell shit for whatever price he wants privately and not affect the value. So he'll overpay for stuff in an insane fucking way just to keep his value. I forget what the dude's name is, but I'm just saying, like, like, um, 
glass houses, bro. <laughs> glass houses, like, like let's let's not. Uh, I mean, I'm all for more for more uh, uh, equity in the world and for more, but but um, let's not abandon the people that don't make it through social mobility out of the shit. You know, like I think that like we should still care that the kids are in cages. Like that didn't stop. It's been seven fucking years. Y'all shut your fucking mouth and you're calling me Latinx. Like, I don't think I, that just, that doesn't sit well for me. You know, mm -hmm. do you get what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, I understand yeah, yeah. what you're saying. Like, it's not, it's not like academia is this fucking, it, I mean, we call it the ivory tower. <laughs> so what, what, so what do you want to do in terms of the kids in the cages? Would I want to talk about them and say that they're still there for starters? Because nobody's fucking doing that. I, I, I mean, you know, uh, I have I, the other thing that's really crazy right now is as as a podcaster, I, there are things that I I can't talk about the what's really happening in the war in Ukraine. I can't really talk about what happened three years ago when we uh, when the everything got locked down. There are power structures that enforce this, and those power structures are the people that are telling us what are the right words to call an entire population of people that we have already established are no nothing like each other. You know, the only mm -hmm. thing we have is in common is American imperial uh, against us and the language of colonialism that was imposed on us and the religion that came with that like that that is what we have in common and because of that common language we can sort of suss out where we are but these are not conversations you're ever going to have with a with a anglo person from michigan they're always going to be like well i don't know because their whole outlook is based on the privilege of being somebody like i have family members that don't have passports i'm sure you do too they're never going to be able to come to this country. Mm -hmm. The fact that my family is split by an embargo and I will never know the culture of my, of my family. I'll never know the extent of it. There's a dude named Javier Enrique, which is my f f first and middle name that is in Cuba. I've only seen a picture of him. I've never gotten to meet him. Yeah, you never talked to him. Never talked to him. That's because of my fucking government. Call me white. <laughs> anyway, that camera's out again. Uh, and we've been talking for two hours, so <laughs> we should probably wrap it up. Although it feels like it's only been five minutes. <laughs> I, keep, okay. I keep looking over and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> Are you having fun or was this a tragedy for you? <laughs> no, it's not a tragedy. It's just, it's an interesting conversation. Yeah. And are you worried about getting canceled for having it? No. Okay. Well, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, I'm not. Why would I be worried? I don't think, yeah, I don't think I'm. Would be canceled. Yeah. Well, you you think, <laughs> but we'll see what the hordes decide. All right, man. It's been <laughs> <laughs> what the hordes decide. I guess I mean because I don't have come from the perspective of a podcaster. Yeah, yeah. So I know you have in your mind you have this audience that exists out there, and you're sort of speaking to them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm actually just speaking to you. No, I know one on one. So I don't really know that other sort of perspective and sort of trying to address i live with it in my fucking life constantly other <laughs> that larger invisible group yeah 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 the invisible group of people that support you it's a really crazy thing yeah i mean you know that's always interesting to see like meet somebody oh yeah like the work etc you know i think that's um 
I never know what to say to that. Never know what to say to what? To like when people say, oh yeah, I like your work. Oh, well. Yeah. You know, that's okay. Because I kind of, in the end, I'm just making it in the end. In some ways, I'm just making it for myself. Yeah. You know, so. And in some ways, I'm talking to the audience, but I'm also just letting them know who I am so that when I disappoint them, they know. <laughs> I see. Okay. <laughs> anyway, anything that we can promote for you, Victor? No, not right now. Not right now. Do you, have, do you have an Instagram that we can follow you at? Uh, just Victor Strata Studio. It's Victor Strata Studio, no underscores. No nah. straight up. Do you have a website? No. Nah. Can I'm... people can people get access to the catalog digitally for the Purple Mexican? You know, that hasn't been put up digitally. Um, maybe it's something to do. Uh, no, I mean, I didn't want to hand, assign you a task. I was just wondering. No, if I was wasn't going to do it. <laughs> Giving you homework. <laughs> no, you can't give me homework. <laughs> you give homework. All right. Well, I've had a lovely time. I hope you, uh, you, you <laughs> I hope this lived up to your expectations. <laughs> I had no expectations. I said, okay, what's, I just think, okay, where, where are we going to go with this? What's going to happen? And, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it, it's, but in the end, I do think it's about constructing space. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah, or producing space, yeah. I think, actually. It's about the production of space. So. And I think so much of culture right now is about limiting the space of discussion. I think that that is fair to say. I think that the the, it, the uh, when you lose an account, an Instagram account for talking about anti-imperialism, we're not headed in the right direction, <laughs> you know? And even just talking about certain things can be an act of bravery because mm. you got a lot to lose, especially if I lose this whole show. <laughs> <laughs> anyway we'll leave on that uh thank you so much for being on the show man it's been a pleasure thank you for inviting me into your house and uh, we'll be back next week with another guest and another topic that may or may not be art related and may or may not me make me angry and i'm looking at that camera but it's not on it's not on you can go and look at the other camera <laughs> yeah all right man it's okay. been a pleasure talk to you later